0: Joe Biden's scattershot midterm campaign draws to a close. Historian Michael Beschloss warns of mass death if Republicans are elected. And we examine the bellwether races that will indicate a possible red wave. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you may have noticed that inflation is really bad right now. It's really, really bad, actually. The Daily Wire reports that in less than two years, inflation has soared from 1.4% to 8.6% as of May 2022. The price of gas was up nearly 49%. The price of meat, poultry, fish up 14.2%. The price of used cars was up 16%. And Joe Biden continues to spend money and beg for more money to spend and then just pretend he's going to spend money when he can't do it constitutionally. Don't let your savings wither away. Hedge against inflation with gold from Birch Gold. Text Ben to 9890 Eight ninety eight Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on protecting your savings with gold. Birch Gold is giving out a free gold bar with any purchase made by December 22nd, but you have to submit your claim by Black Friday. With almost 20 years of experience in converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs, Birch Gold can help you as well. Don't sit around while the Fed continues to devalue your hard-earned money. Text Ben to 989898. Learn how you can convert at least part of your savings into a precious metals IRA. If you place an order by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Text Ben to 989898 98 98. right now. Again, text Ben to 989898. 98 98. Also, as an Orthodox Jew, Israel is important to me, as it is to millions of Christians who stand with Israel as well. This is why I partner with the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. The fellowship was founded 40 years ago by a Jewish rabbi in Chicago to build bridges between Christians and Jews by serving the needs of impoverished elderly Jews, many of whom are Holocaust survivors. Today, the organization is the largest humanitarian organization helping the poor, not only in Israel, but throughout the former Soviet Union and especially in Ukraine. The fellowship is doing incredible work inside Ukraine right now to provide food for elderly Jews, many of whom have nowhere else to turn as the war intensifies and winter closes in. During the recent attack on Kiev, bombs landed 600 feet from a vulnerable Jewish community that the fellowship serves. For just 25 bucks, you can rush a food box packed with highly nutritious food to Jewish people in need. Right now, thanks to the special partnership, every $25 donation you give will be matched. So you're providing not one, but two food boxes that will save Jewish lives in Ukraine. To give, just go to benforthefellowship.org. Please donate today. They urgently need your help. That's benforthefellowship.org. Benforthefellowship.org. If you're looking for your charitable giving, end of the year giving, now's a good time. Benforthefellowship.org. Well. Democrats are expecting an absolute drubbing on Tuesday. According to The Washington Post, Democrats across the country scrambled Thursday to bolster candidates in places President Biden carried safely in 2020, the latest sign of panic that they could face major losses in next week's midterm elections. Vice President Harris, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, held a joint rally in an effort to rescue New York Governor Kathy Hochul, which is just, I'm sorry, insane for a few reasons. One, Kathy Hochul is the governor of New York. New York is a blue state. New York has not had a Republican governor since 2006. It is now 2022. It's a long time. And the people you are sending to rescue her are Vice President Kamala Harris, the worst politician in the history of humanity, and Hillary Clinton, the second worst politician in the history of humanity. And if you were looking for charm between the two of them, you'd be better off searching for life on the moon. That, that, is, that is not actually going to work. Biden, meanwhile, traveled to New Mexico and Southern California to support vulnerable Democratic incumbents, bypassing Arizona and Nevada, where officials are actually afraid that if he arrives, he's going to drive the Democratic vote down because no one wants Joe Biden within 300 miles of an actual competitive race. Biden and Harris are going to go to Illinois. They're going to Illinois. Illinois is about as deep blue as it gets. Democrats are in serious trouble and they know it. According to the Washington Post, as Republicans have focused on inflation and crime to go on offense in Democratic territory over the past month, competing in traditionally blue districts in California, Oregon, New York, Illinois, and elsewhere, there's a growing sense among Democrats there's little they can do at this point to combat the combined forces of history and economics. Well, I mean, it would be a combo. History, economics, and your own failures on everything, including social radicalism on everything from racial equity to transing the children. The fact is the priorities of the Democratic Party do not match the priorities of the United States of America right now. And the policies they have implemented are not popular because they are not good. Joel Payne, Democratic strategist, says there's a general malaise that's hanging over the country. What you're seeing is an angry electorate that keeps kicking the people in charge out. They did it in 2016. They did it in 2018. They did it in 2020. If things hold to what it's looking like, they're probably going to do it again in 2022. Well, that's not quite right. I mean, the fact is that in 2020, Republicans actually did much better than expected in the House of Representatives. It's just that President Trump didn't do as well as he wanted to at the top of the ticket. But it's actually Democratic governance. That is getting them to this point. While many Democrats have privately believed for months Republicans were likely to take the House, they've expressed increasing fears in recent days. Voters could hand the GOP a significant majority, an outcome that would amount to a major rebuke of the party in power. Right now, the real politics polling average, by the way, puts Republicans as likely to pick up at least 32 seats. That would be the average outcome. My guess is they're going to pick up closer to 40. There are a lot of vulnerable Democrats right now because, again, the conditions for the Democrats are really, really bad. And there are a few... Early bellwethers you're going to be able to look at to determine whether this is a a wipeout for Democrats or whether it's just sort of a mild ripple against the Democrats come Tuesday night. Karl Rove has a good piece over at the Wall Street Journal looking at which races are the bellwether races for you to look at as the early returns come in. At 7.30 p.m. at North Carolina and Ohio polls close. Republicans have to win both Senate races. So. Carl Rove says he's going to compare Tuesday's returns with 2020's totals. At 8 p.m., voting ends in 16 states, parts of five others, and D.C. Pennsylvania could decide the Senate, but it's going to take a long time for those votes to come in. Florida counts super fast. The polls close at 8 p.m. If Governor Ron DeSantis ends up with a double digit lead in that race over Charlie Crist, if Marco Rubio ends up blowing out Val Demings, we're going to know that real fast. And we're also going to know very quickly whether that is a bellwether for a bigger Republican night. New Hampshire, Closes fairly early. And if that New Hampshire, there, there are a few districts there that trend Democrat, but if they start trending Republican early on, you can tell really fast whether this is going to be a red wave. If Don Baldick is really competitive against Maggie Hassan, as the polls suggest right now, or if he is even in the lead against Maggie Hassan, that would bespeak the possibility of a red wave. The reason we're talking about this is because as the night develops, there's going to be a tendency to follow the vote totals sort of across the spectrum, meaning a lot of the big races are happening on the West Coast or at least in the western half of the country, places like Arizona, places like Nevada. And so it's going to be a while before we actually know what happens in those races. So you're looking for sort of the early indicators as to what the night is going to be. As Karl Rove says, a blockbuster group of states close at 9 p.m., perhaps settling the Senate's fate. If the GOP keeps Wisconsin Ron Johnson, it's hard to see Democrats getting above 50 seats. Blake Masters' fate in his Senate race in Arizona could well depend on Kerry Lake's run for governor. We'll also see at that hour if Republicans get a gigantic upset for New York governor. So we are going to you know, have some pretty good indicators of where this thing is by, say, 9 or 10 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday night. Now, as I say, Democrats are already in a sheer state of panic. Joe Biden is basically being told not to go out on the trail at all. Barack Obama is being trotted out on the trail, actually, because nobody actually wants Joe Biden anywhere near a crowd. According to The Washington Post, President Biden took the stage in Miami Gardens, Florida the other night. For More than 30 minutes tried to rally a college campus around his policies from student loan debt to prescription drug costs to hearing aid prices. Just over two hours later and 2,500 miles away, Biden's predecessor and one-time boss Barack Obama was rallying a different crowd in a different state. Musician John Legend was the opening act at a high school in North Las Vegas, Nevada. For 45 minutes, Obama swung between sharp, can you believe this barbs at the modern Republican party and call and response with the crowd. The headline, Obama in demand as Biden struggles to energize crowds. Again, the, the possibility, the laying the groundwork for Joe Biden has to go if the midterms go really badly. That is very strong right now. Meanwhile, Oprah has now joined the fray. How desperate Democrats are calling on Oprah to try and help John Fetterman in the mistaken belief that if Oprah does not endorse Mehmet Oz and endorses instead his opponent, that suddenly she's going to swing the race in Pennsylvania. You get a closed captioning service and you get a closed captioning service and we all get a closed captioning service. According to Politico, on Thursday, the Fetterman team landed their target. Oprah announced at a virtual get out to vote event. She's supporting the Democrat in Pennsylvania's critical race for the Senate. Was anybody holding out on that one? Hey, who, who in Pennsylvania was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do in this race. But now that Oprah signed in, I'm on board. Winfrey said, I said it was up to the citizens of Pennsylvania. And of course, but I will tell you all this. If I lived in Pennsylvania, I would have already cast my vote for John Fetterman for many reasons. The comments, according to political, are a big deal, not only because of Winfrey's unique status among women, black people, and many other Americans, but also because she helped make Mehmet Oz famous. OK, but that is not going to change anything in this race. That is not going to be a deciding factor in the Pennsylvania race. I'll tell you what's a, a bigger piece of news for the Democrats. That is that layoffs are starting to hit the tech sector in serious numbers. The tech sector, which has been inflated by the availability of easy and free credit. Now it's starting to contract. According to the Wall Street Journal, the outlook for tech industry jobs worsened on Thursday. Lyft and Stripe both announced major layoffs. Amazon says it will freeze corporate hiring for months. And the stream of grim news for the industry came as the Federal Reserve has moved again to raise interest rates to combat inflation, signaling greater risk that the U.S. economy is sliding into recession. Faced with that possibility, tech company executives are warning of tougher times ahead. Beth Galetti, senior vice president of People, Experience, and Technology at Amazon, said in a memo to employees this week, quote, we're facing an unusual macroeconomic environment. And want to balance our hiring and investments with being thoughtful about this economy. The memo notified all of those employees of Amazon's plan to pause hiring across the corporate workforce that includes employees in high-profile teams like Prime Video and Grocery. U.S. applications for unemployment benefits are down this fall from a summer peak and held steady at a low level this week. The Labor Department's October employment report will be released on Friday, offering the latest snapshot on the overall job market. So again, the, the market is starting to drop. The Democrats have no answer for this. And Joe Biden's priorities are just not what the American people's priorities are. Now, the Democrats are at the last minute attempting to swivel to your priorities are our priority. We we care about inflation. We care about the, it's so clear that this is not their priority and has not been their priority. But Ron Klain, whose main job is tweeting through problems over at the White House, he was appearing on MSNBC on Morning Joe. And he says that the main problem that Joe Biden is focused on is inflation, which I mean, has Joe Biden said two words about inflation for about four months here? Here Here's Ron Klain, the chief of staff.
1: So the economy is growing, it is strong, it is creating jobs. Uh, our mission here at the White House is to continue that kind of economic growth, continue the job creation, uh, continue to, to move the economy forward, and to tackle the biggest problem we have in the economy right now, frankly, which is inflation and bringing down prices of everyday things uh, that, that really hit uh, people hard. Uh, that's the number one problem right now. It's inflation, and that's the problem we're
0: focused on. OK, but the problem is that if you're focused on that problem, why is inflation so high? So Hillary Clinton is out there tweeting through it as well. She says that Joe Biden has done an impressive job on inflation. And when you're trotting out Hillary Clinton as your closer, let me just mention you're about to get your asses kicked into next week. And my goodness, Hillary Clinton is your closing argument. Whew! here we go.
2: What I wish we could convey more effectively is that if you look at what has been accomplished in the first uh, two years of the Biden presidency with uh, the Congress uh, working hand in hand, in fact, the work that has been done by the Democrats in helping the economy and helping people deal with what is global inflation, not just American uh, inflation, uh, is truly impressive. And we've got to get that message across more effectively.
0: It's so impressive. I mean, people can feel how impressive it is, except for how it's not impressive. Then Hillary says, Republicans have no plan to do anything about inflation. Well, considering that Republicans are not the ones in power, that really is your problem. As far as whether the Republicans have a plan to do anything about inflation, the first answer would be, stop spending this much money. Stop it. Stop spending this much money. Open up the floodgates when it comes to the production of oil and natural gas and bring down the price of energy. Make sure that regulations are cut so businesses can actually be effective. mean, this is very, it's not super hard stuff. There's only so much that any president can do. That's true. But there's a lot of stuff the president cannot do in order to prevent inflation. It could avoid doing. This is Joe Biden's big mistake. Some of the macroeconomic conditions are, in fact, global. A lot of it has to do with the Federal Reserve. But there are certain things you didn't have to do, like throw more money into the American system than any president in the history of the United States. You could have not done that. Here's Hillary Clinton proclaiming this is all Republicans' fault or something.
2: It's really difficult to uh, tell people what's going to happen in the future when, understandably, they are focused on the present. So, yes, uh, people are worried about the cost of living. They're worried about the economy, although the Republicans have absolutely no plan to do anything about that.
0: Oh, man. Good luck with this particular message. Meanwhile, Karine Jean-Pierre who is uh, the world's worst press secretary, of course. She says, don't worry, guys, the Biden administration is not prepping for a session. We don't see a recession on the horizon. Oh, wait, it's already here.
1: So, Corrine, we just uh, talked about how the Federal Reserve raising interest rates again to try to cool off inflation. But that has sparked real fears that the nation could be teetering on the edge of a recession. How will the White House prepare for that?
2: So want to be clear there is we are not uh, there are no meetings or anything happening like that in preparing for a recession because and I'll say this very clearly. And we have said this. Our economic team has said this. Secretary Yellen has said this. You heard this from the president. Look, what we're seeing right now is a strong uh, labor market. And the reason we're seeing the strong labor market is because of the bold actions that this president has taken. When you look at the economic, his economic policies.
0: No, I'm sorry. Ain't gonna- we'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, we're experiencing a lot of global instability as we plunge into primary season. How are you protecting your family in the middle of all of this chaos? The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval dating back to ancient times. That, of course, is gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold, and Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out and balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text BEN to 989898 for a free info kit. With an a rating, with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text BEN to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold the way that I did. Diversification is always a smart business strategy, particularly in really tenuous times. This is a tenuous time. You should check out my friends over at Birch Gold. Text Ben to 989898. Get in touch with them today. Ask all your questions. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is out there pushing his student loan debt relief plan, which is not going to go through. Joe Biden's apparent plan for the midterm elections was, what if I declare a wildly unconstitutional thing? Get a bunch of people to rely on that promise and blame everybody else if that promise then falls apart. My, my favorite part of this particular pitch by Joe Biden is don't worry, student loan relief isn't going to the rich. It's only going to the bottom 95%. So the top 5%, they're not going but if you are like a top 20% earner, you're still going to get money. Weird pitch. Here we go.
1: Over 200,000 people in New Mexico have student loans, and the average borrower in New Mexico owes just over $34,000. And my plan is going to make a real difference in lowering the monthly cost for families as well. <laughs> so, in total, more than 40 million Americans stand to benefit from this relief. And not a dime of it will go to the top 5%
0: incomes, period. I love that. The top 5% incomes. Wow. It sounds pretty progressive, Mr. President. You mean that the people who earn like $140,000 a year are still going to be getting student loan relief? Is is that what you mean? Interesting, interesting. Meanwhile, Biden said that if Republicans win, student debt forgiveness will not go through and it will be their fault. It's not going to go through now, dude. You declared a bunch of stuff that is not constitutional and then you're acting as though you're surprised when the Supreme Court prepares to shoot that crap down. You don't have the ability to push that. I mean, what what pure cynicism from the president of the United States. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is suggesting that the big problem here is that Republicans are going to rein in the spending. So he is claiming that if Republicans gain power, they're going to seek to combat inflation and bring down government spending. And that's going to be a huge problem. Well, I mean, I would assume they're going to bring down government spending because if it goes up, there won't be a country anymore. I mean, honest to God, how much more money do people think that we can spend when we have a national debt? That What is the national debt now? It's been growing so fast, I can't even keep track of it at this point. The, the current debt clock has the, the national debt at over $31 trillion. Okay, so how much more money exactly are we supposed to spend here? By the way, that $31 trillion, that's about $94,000 for every single person living in the United States in national debt. So yeah, I would hope at some point we would bring down the spending. That's his pitch. We need to spend more money. And now, the reality is that the Democrats are in trouble because, again, their priorities are not the American people's priorities. They're just not. There's a good piece by Tim Alberta who uh, used to work for National Review, then The Washington Post, and now he writes for The Atlantic sometimes, called Why Democrats Are Losing Hispanic Voters. And his basic idea is that Hispanic voters just don't have the same priorities that the Democratic Party does. Hispanics are interested in actually getting ahead in America. They're not interested in the lie that America is extraordinarily racially biased and a place of no opportunity. He says that the Hispanic population is in the United States basically to be part of the American dream. And when you keep lying to them that the American dream is not possible, then they turn away from you. Quote, over the past few years, Hispanics have begun abandoning the Democratic Party, defying generations of political patterns, causing varying degrees of panic on the left. In the 2018 midterm elections, when Democrats regained control of the House of Representatives, they won the Hispanic vote by 40 points. In 2020, Democrats carried it by 33 points. This summer, numerous polls showed Hispanics splitting in a statistical tie between the two parties. So what are the criticisms? that are being relayed to Tim Alberta, quote, Democrats are insufficiently patriotic. They are elitist in their cultural sensibilities. They are oblivious to the struggles and priorities of working people. Yeah, that would be it. According to Tim Alberta, the Democrats' predicament is 20 years in the making. And he cites, as I have, the emerging Democratic majority theory by John Judas and Roy Teixeira. That, of course, is the The theory that Democrats could cobble together a majority-minority coalition that was basically dependent on left-wing woke cultural totems, and that didn't hold together, and it couldn't hold together because it turns out that Hispanics do not have the same priorities across the board as, for example, Black Americans do when it comes to government spending or their picture of the country. Lumping together all minorities as though they are the same is ridiculous. By the way, lumping all Hispanics together as though they are the same is ridiculous. Lumping together all people, even from the same point of origin, like Venezuelans or Cubans, is, is ridiculous enough. But what Democrats basically did is that everybody who is not a white person has the same interests, and we will cobble them together in an anti-capitalist coalition, and this will figure it out. Well, no, it won't. That is not how any of this is working. Democrats' priorities are not the priorities of the United States. And so this is why Democrats, in the end, are going to rely not on their economic pitch because they don't have one, this is why their, their campaign has been so scattershot. The only unifying feature that they can name why people should vote for them and not for Republicans is supposedly the threat to democracy, right? This is the shtick. So the other night, of course, you had Joe Biden give a really uninspiring, unenthusiastic version of his dark Brandon speech from Independence Hall in Philadelphia. This time he did it in Union Station in front of like a blue tarp and some American flags in which he announced that democracy would die unless his party won the election. It it went over like a lead balloon. Here's Ron Klain proclaiming that this was, in effect, the closing pitch, that this was Biden's one final warning. One final warning of what, dude? The end of the republic?
1: Well, you know, the president's been talking about the threat to our democracy since he launched his campaign way back in 2019 and again on January 6th and again in September in Philadelphia at Independence Hall. And I think the president decided a few days ago that it was important to uh, uh, issue one final warning on this issue to make very clear, to leave no doubt, uh, that we have people out there still peddling the big lie. People uh, uh, now raising the issue of election denial in this election uh, and, of course, uh, the horrible incident uh, uh, involving Speaker Pelosi and her family, mm-hmm. uh, you know, showing the rising threat of political
0: violence. One final warning, one final warning. By the way, we have an over-under bet at the Daily Wire on how many Democrats are going to deny election results after this one, claiming voter suppression by Republicans, the evil, evil Republicans. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, it is that wonderful time of the year, the best time of the year. Election season is here. I know you're excited. Huh. Actually, election season might be good, but I'll tell you what. It's also autumn, and that means that you're out and about. You're playing in the leaves with your children, or maybe you're just bringing them back to school And at Halloween, and now Thanksgiving's coming up. You're going to be away from home a lot, is what I'm saying. And this means that you need a great home security system. This is why I team up with Ring. With Ring security products, you can rest easy, knowing your home and family are safe when you are not there. The Ring doorbell notifies you when guests or packages arrive. Ring's indoor cameras let you keep an eye on kids and pets while you're away. Ring Alarm will alert you of any motion detection while the house is empty. Plus, if you add smart lighting around your home, you can turn the lights on or off while you are away. Head on over to ring.com collections offers. Find out how you can live a little more stress-free this season with a Ring product that's right for you. A lot of Americans right now are afraid of crime. I hear you. This is why I have Ring on my own home. It's ring.com collections offers to find out what offers are available to you and you can live a little bit more stress-free, feel a little bit more safe this season. Again, that's ring.com slash collections slash offers. Also, speaking of feeling safe at home, simple fact of the matter is, with crime rising, a lot of people are out there buying guns. You want to be a legal gun owner. But here's the thing. It's not just enough to own a gun legally. You have to know how to use it, how to store it, what to do if, God forbid, you have to fire it. That's why I'm a member of the U.S. Concealed Carry Association, you should be as well. We've talked on the show about good guys with guns using their legal weapons to protect families and communities. Well, sometimes... These guys get hailed as heroes by the media. Sometimes they get arrested, actually. You need to make sure you're prepared for all the possible outcomes should you find yourself in a position of having to use your firearm. Right now, the USCCA is giving away a free concealed carry and family defense guide, plus a chance to win a thousand bucks to buy a firearm to protect yourself and your family. Just text Ben to 87222. In this 58-page defense guide, you'll learn how to detect attackers before they see you, what the USCCA has learned about school shootings, equipment and training basics, about the law and justice systems, how to responsibly own and store a gun, particularly if you have small children, and a whole lot more. Text BEN to 87222 for instant access to this free guide. Enter for the chance to win 1000 bucks to put toward a firearm to protect your family. Text BEN to 87222 right now. Again, that's 87222. So this is their closing pitch. So Hillary Clinton is making the same pitch. She's out there saying this is a struggle between autocracy and democracy. Apparently, election denial is now a form of autocracy, which is weird because she has spent years wandering around the earth explaining to people that she's actually the president of the United States after 2016. So here is election denier Hillary Clinton explaining that election denial is a form of autocracy.
1: But if you look at what's happening um, in Iran, if you look at what's happening in you know all over the world, Uh, Bolsonaro whatever democracy is in danger all over the world here in the United States as well but it's all over the world Secretary Clinton this is a global thing that is happening what do we do speak to us about that please
2: well Don you're right I mean we are in a a struggle between democracy and autocracy uh, and it is a time when the United States should be standing strongly On behalf of our values of democracy and freedom, of opportunity and equality, instead of being engaged in this culture war driven by the political opportunism of people um, on the uh, Republican side of the ledger.
0: I'm so tired of this nonsense. The idea that the Republicans are driving the culture war. The Republicans literally stand here and say the same things that have been said for several thousand years on cultural issues. And Democrats declare war on that. And then like, ah, it's a cycle of violence. The culture war guys. when you try to say that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. And when you implement in a wide bevy of states, the idea that parents are abusive toward their children if they bring their kids to a therapist who is not going to validate the stupidity that your boy can be a girl. And you say that's child abuse. And then when we say no, you say it's a culture war. That is not going to play. That dog is not going to hunt. This is why you have Colin Cowherd, who is not a raging right winger, sports talk radio host. He's out there saying, listen, when you come after our kids, when it comes to COVID, for example, we are not going to forgive that Democrats have lost the thread here. And so in the end, they're they're resorting to the the flaming straw man. they create created a straw man. They're setting it aflame. And, and the basic idea here is that if you vote for our opponents, democracy will end. And you hear it's amazing. I mean, you hear Don Lemon trying to internationalize this. Well, it's about Bolsonaro. First of all, Bolsonaro just lost an election and has said that he is going to transition out of power. So that's how democracy works. Also, if Bibi Netanyahu is elected in Israel, that's in an election. They've had five and four years. That's not the end of democracy. That's just the latest election result. In Italy, if Maloney wins, that is not a denial of democracy. That's someone you don't like winning. If Viktor Orban wins by a bare majority in Hungary, that is still democracy at work. But Democrats and members of the international left have basically translated democracy into, we are the good people. Everybody who wins an election who is not us is a threat to it. Democracy just means left-wing policy now. So Chris Hayes makes the final closing pitch on behalf of everyone who wears his pair of glasses at MSNBC. They just pass it around between the hosts. And he says, you need to vote for the Democrats so we will preserve the possibility of future elections. Which isn't, isn't that prospective election denial? I thought election denial was bad. I thought that you're not allowed to deny the results of elections. But it seems like it's okay when it's coming from Democrats, which is why they're still claiming that Georgia's voting law which has led to, by the way, more early voting than any time in American history, is a form of Jim Crow 2.0. Here's Chris Hayes. And so when Democrats say you don't have a choice this election, there's
1: only one party that cares about for democracy, it's us. Democracy is on the ballot. What they're really saying is if you don't elect us this time, if you don't keep them out of power, you may never be able to elect us again. Or in short, vote to preserve your right to throw the bums out.
0: Vote to preserve your right to throw the bums out, except that every single time they come up for reelection, they're gonna make the same exact argument. So you have to preserve your right to throw the bums out by electing only one party until the end of time. Because that, that's pretty much what, what Joe Biden is saying. He has drawn no line in the sand between some Republicans and other Republicans. He has not said, here's a list of the Republicans. It's okay for you to vote for because these are the non-election deniers. And here are the election deniers you definitely cannot vote for because they're a threat to democracy. Instead, he basically says, vote for my party because my party is the only one that cares. So you're saying a one-party authoritarian state is bad. Also, you can only vote for my party, ever. So it's a one-party state in which we centralize power in the executive branch. Sounds weird, sounds weird. So Paul Begala at least still has his head connected to his neck and he's out there saying what is obvious this election is not going to be about issues like quote-unquote democracy
1: which means you need good leaders who can focus both on the economy and preserving our democracy pennsylvania voters republican and democrat they know how to walk and chew gum at the same time don they can care about rising costs they can also care about their personal freedom Uh, but was the is the president helping or hurting democrats by talking about a fundamentally critical issue i think it helps it helps. It's, it helps at the margins, OK? It's not what the election is going to be about. I wish it were.
0: It's not going to help. Paul Begala just isn't willing to say that because he's a Democratic hack, but he knows the election is not going to be on this particular topic. And you can tell this, right? This is why the Democrats in local races are running headlong away from Joe Biden. If they thought this was a resonant winning message, this is what they would be running on. Name a competitive race where Democrats are running on democracy. They're not. Tim Ryan out in Ohio, he's like, I don't want the Democratic Party here. Can we keep them out, please? Like, if I have a shot against Shady Vance, it's because Joe Biden is going to stay far, far away.
1: You know, the National Democratic Party has never been really good at strategic political decisions. Uh, so, you know, it's not a surprise here. Um, thank God that I have enough experience that I've built this campaign not needing them. And we really don't want them at this point.
0: We've built a robust uh, machine here in Ohio that doesn't need the National Democratic Party. Um. So, yeah, that he doesn't want the Democratic Party anywhere near. And so the, the outrage has begun preemptively members of the Democrat chattering class are saying wilder and wilder things about this election. As if you weren't already being told that democracy is going to end if Republicans take over. We now have historian Michael Beschloss, who apparently is incredibly bad at his job because he doesn't understand history. He he is out there literally saying that children will be kidnapped and murdered if Republicans take office. This is nuts. By the way, Beschloss has been an advisor in the past to Joe Biden in terms of his rhetoric. So he says that if Republicans are elected, free speech will end. And our children might be arrested and murdered. I'd love to see the line between point A and point B here. I feel like you might be skipping a few steps.
1: Joe Biden is saying the same thing tonight. And a historian 50 years from now, if historians are allowed to write in this country, and if there are still free publishing houses and a free press, which I'm not certain of. But if that is true, a historian will say, what was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. We're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system, and it could be a week away.
0: He's not an alarmist, guys. He's not, he's not trying to, to alarm you. He's also not trying to drive political violence. His political violence is, is, is a preserver of the right. Also, if you elect my political opponents, they might come and enslave and murder your children. That's QAnon crap, what he's talking about right there that the global authoritarian revolution begins on Tuesday with what? Speaker McCarthy taking over? Kevin McCarthy? Yes, the deeply threatening authoritarian leader, Kevin McCarthy? This is Mitch McConnell, a turtle from Kentucky? Like this is, this is, wow, the face of authoritarianism has sure radically changed. They're going to kidnap and murder your children. But don't worry, guys. I mean, this is like the pizza gate of the left on MSNBC. And everybody's supposed to say, oh, well, you know, he is a historian. He's a historian. I mean, if he says he's a historian then he knows in 50 years, people won't be able to write books in the United States on history. If, if what, if I, if, if I don't vote for like Val Demings in the Senate race in Florida, if Marco Rubio retains his seat, if Governor Ron DeSantis wins by double digits in Florida, where I'm voting and where I already voted early, that that, that is going to that's the thing that's going to tip the world into global authoritarianism. By the way, if you're worried about places where books cannot be written and where kids are kidnapped and murdered, you might want to talk to Joe Biden, who left Afghanistan in the hands of 8th century barbarians while getting 13 American service members murdered in the process. You might want to talk to him. Just amazing stuff from Michael Beschloss. But but again, he's a historian. These are the elites. Now, do you think that the average voter thinks that this is anywhere close to reality? In fact, if you ask the average voter which party is more of a danger to your kids the average voter is going to say the Democratic Party. You know why? Not in terms of being kidnapped and killed, but because Democrats wish to indoctrinate your children. Democrats wish to kick them out of school in the middle of COVID for no apparent reason. Democrats wish to cram down critical race theory and gender ideology on them. Democrats wish to teach your kids that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. If we're talking about just baseline dangerous to kids, the case that Michael Bush loss is making, that Republicans are going to kidnap and murder your kids. Like what in the actual, what? What? And that's not going to up the amount of political violence in our society. No, 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 it's, it's totally fine. Meanwhile, Sonny Hostin is, um, is going full Rwanda with this kind of language. I mean, this is, like, this is really ugly. Here's Sonny Hostin on The View, suggesting that white suburban women who are widely turning in favor of Republicans, mainly because of what I just said, white suburban women, turns out, lie to their moms. They go to the supermarket, they can see how expensive things are, one. Two, they're members of school boards, or they have kids who are going to school and they don't like their kids being taught by radical union activists who promote the idea of gender fluidity to four-year-olds. They're not a huge fan of that. And Sonny Hostin's response is, well, they are like cockroaches. This is kind of ugly. Here we go.
2: But what's also surprising to me is the abortion issue. Um, I read a, a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid, right? It's, it's I, I like think that's, they're that's voting, a, no, it's insulting. They're voting against their own self wait, we talk
0: Do they want to the live in Gilead? They're, Gilead, these people are ridiculous. I'm sorry, you think that white suburban women's chief issue is whether they get to kill their own unborn children? That's like their chief issue? White suburban women and many suburb, and many women generally, it turns out they like having babies. They like their kids. I know this comes as a great shock to people like Sonny Hostin, but what? And they're like roaches. First of all, comparing them to roaches is pretty astonishing. Second of all, saying it's like voting for their own extermination. No, it turns out, you know what actually is an extermination is the killing of the unborn on mass as the Democratic Party pledges to legalize and subsidize. That would be it. And the language is so unhinged here. You can see who's about to get their, their butts handed to them in this election cycle. Joy Behar doubles down on all this. She says, if you're not, if you, if you vote for Republicans, it's because you're voting for a cult, says Joy Behar, while shouting uh, and and going crazy and and Kalima mass to to the Democratic Party. Here we go.
2: So to me, I'm voting, I will, that that is a full stop problem for me, that I actually think election deniers being put into office, it used to be just former President Donald Trump, now it's everyone running on the Republican side. That scares me
0: more than anything. So even that, women's rights is second for me. Can I just say, no, you're not voting for Republicans, you're voting for a cult, remember that. It's a cult, it's not Republicans anymore. (sighs) So tiresome these folks. You're voting for a cult. Also, vote for Joe Biden or your children will be sacrificed. And again, all that's lacking from Joy Behar is the is the Temple of Doom outfit and the Kali Ma chant when she talks about voting for a cult. That's how she sees the Democratic Party. See, here's the thing. I can see a lot of reasons not to vote for Republicans in various elections. I'm not sure that Joy Behar has ever seen a reason not to vote for Democrats ever, 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 ever. There are many times where I've seen Republicans and I say, I don't want to vote for that person. I would not vote for that person. I don't like that person. I'm not sure that anyone on The View has ever had that thought. It has never crossed their mind. So preemptively, the blame is now being shifted by the Democrats. They say it can't be our fault. It's not our fault. It's the indoctrination. It's the evil Republicans. We'll get to that in a second. First, while today's coffee often comes with hints of soy and social justice, Black Rifle delivers an entirely different experience. We are talking bold, strong, and delicious. Black Rifle coffee is the coffee I choose to get me through the day. I wake up every morning early with my kids. I have myself a Black Rifle Coffee, and I'm ready to go. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran-founded and operated. Their mission is to help service members successfully transition from the military into entrepreneurship. They provide assistance to veterans who seek to launch businesses of their own with the goal of helping more companies like Black Rifle become a reality. Black Rifle is committed to hiring 10,000 vets, and they are well on their way. As for the coffee itself, Black Rifle is super selective about where they source their coffee beans, they're very disciplined when it comes to ensuring the freshness of every bag. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com, use promo code Shapiro, get 10% off your first order, or when you sign up for a new Coffee Club subscription. The subscription gives you free shipping on all Coffee Club orders, early access to club deals and promotions, special discounts from their partner brands. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com with promo code Shapiro for 10% off your first order, or when you sign up to become a Coffee Club member. Black Rifle Coffee supports America's veterans and America's Coffee. Also, this weekend is a brand new episode of my Sunday special. It features a very special guest, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee. It's a great, great special. Bill Lee is one of the most underappreciated governors in America on a national scale. People don't know him all that well nationally. They should. He's terrific. Check out the preview.
1: You find out that it actually is really there. And there's a part of me that says, gosh, if the parents in that county all read this book and knew that their kid in third grade, second grade, whatever, could read it, We'd, there'd, be, there'd be a, a revolt about that. that. That book would not be in that library, so we ought to make a law. What we really are doing, at least that's the way I view this, is we're just protecting and preserving.
0: You can listen to this episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Daily Wire Plus, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so Democrats are attempting to preemptively shift the blame for their loss. It's everybody else's fault. So you have a Biden senior advisor named Keisha Lance Bottoms, who, of course, was the former mayor of Atlanta, where she presided over a massive spike in the crime rate, blaming Donald Trump for the crime rates, which is weird because it was all in Democratic cities where people were rioting and burning down stores. She was the mayor of one of those cities. So but it's, it's Trump's fault. Good Again, these messages are not even remotely close to successful here.
1: So, Keisha, are you saying that the uptick in crime is due to President Trump?
2: I'm saying that I served as mayor in 2020 and we experienced this uptick in crime in 2020. This is where it began. But that being said, it's not to place blame on any one person. But it is to say that there are many challenges facing the American people. The president's very aware of that. But to lay blame at his feet for one challenge or another, um, I think it's really unfair.
0: It's unfair to, to label the president responsible for things, except when the president is taking credit for lowering the oil prices or for every job created since COVID or anything. The unfalsifiability of Joe Biden's presidency is a wonder to watch. Everything that's good that happens is directly his Credit and everything bad that happens is obviously everybody else's fault. Meanwhile, I love this from the New York Times. The New York Times has a piece today titled Fear of Crime Looms Large for Voters to Republicans' Advantage. Republican candidates are focusing on crime and public safety, but their message is rooted not so much in data or policy as in voters' feelings of unease. Uh, Is it possible that voters have a feeling of unease about crime because the crime has spiked in the last three years in dramatic fashion? But no, it's, it's actually this. Republicans keep saying this stuff. They're deceiving you, you see. It's not that the crime rates are up. It's not that people feel more unsafe. It's, it's all in your mind. Republicans are just propaganda masters. They're beaming down their message from the satellites into your brain. These folks sound like Alex Jones at this point. Quote, in many cases, anxieties stem not from experiencing serious crime, but from seeing homeless encampments or finding a syringe or human waste on the sidewalk or reading accounts in their neighborhood social networks of vandalism on a local bike path. Well, should we not be anxious about that? I mean, like I, when I was in L.A., let's put it this way. I live in a place in Florida where those are things I don't see. I don't see massive homeless encampments. I don't see open syringes on the street. I don't find a homeless man passed out directly in front of my home. I saw all of those things in L.A. Is that all in my head? How is that exactly? Why? I guess it's all in my imagination. Those concerns are generally benefiting Republican candidates who have bluntly blamed Democratic elected officials for a surge in violent crime in many cities that began during the pandemic and has yet to fully subside. Many independent voters have warmed to Republican candidates across the country who are emphasizing crime and public safety in their closing messages before Election Day. Republican plans to curb crime generally consist of hiring more cops and tightening border security. But most of the party's candidates focus far more on assailing progressive criminal justice policies or the defund the police movement, which most Democratic candidates have rejected. So apparently, according to The New York Times, the notion is that The stats are showing that that crime is actually doing well. Well, actually, so here's the thing. What happened is crime spiked in 2020. It went up again in 2021, then it came down a little bit in 2022. And all of that is due to democratic policy. They play games with the baseline. Oh, well, crime is down this year. Yeah, after being up massively over the past two years because of your garbage policies. Again, in the United States, crime had a massive decrease between 1994 and 2014. And then it started to reverse itself through the Ferguson effect under Barack Obama. And then it continued to rise slightly. And then... In 2020, it really, really spiked. And in 2021, it kept going up. And in 2022, it came down a little bit. But it's Republicans. It's their fault. Re- Republicans, keep, they keep talking about crime. And that's the problem is that Republicans are talking about. Why would Republicans talk about crime? New York Post today, homeless man with 25 prior arrests is busted in rape of New York City jogger, is suspect in two other sex crimes. Well, I mean, that raises some questions about maybe criminal justice policies in the state of New York and in the city. According to the New York Post, a homeless man wanted for two sex crimes and who has at least 25 prior busts was arrested in connection with the rape of a jogger in the West Village on Thursday and charged in all three cases, police and law enforcement sources said. Police say that the perpetrator grabbed a 43-year-old woman from behind as she ran in Hudson River Park, choked her and sexually assaulted her before robbing her. And according to a witness who called 911, leaving her shoeless and with blood running from her face and elbows, he was charged with rape, grand larceny, predatory sexual assault and invalid use of a credit card. That last one is is not really as um, shocking as the others. The perp was also hit with charges in two previous attacks on city women, one from late March and one in early October. This guy had been busted at least 25 other times, mostly for petite larceny, assault, drug possession, and drug dealing, mostly for. Seven of those arrests were sealed. So I have a question. How did this person end up out of jail? If you're arrested 25 times for crimes, this is not a person who should be out on the streets. The woman was jogging on Pier 40 around 6 a.m. when the suspect on a bike rode up to her, pushed her down, choked her, and sexually assaulted her before swiping her cell phone and taking off. On October 6th, the creep allegedly attacked a 48 year old woman walking on the FDR Drive service road near East 37th Street at 5 a.m. He came up from behind, placed her in a chokehold, tried to rip her clothes off, and rape her. The woman managed to fight him off. And then on Thursday, this person, who's most recently living in a Manhattan homeless shelter, allegedly grabbed the jogger from behind near West and Christopher Street's choked her until she lost consciousness, knocked her to the ground, took off her clothes and raped her. So great job again, criminal justice system in New York. By the way, great job on the immigration front. It turns out that the guy who hit Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer was overstaying his visa for like 20 years. So really great job to everyone. But it must be Republican propaganda, that's why. Or alternatively, according to Governor Gavin Newsom of California, one of the worst governing governors in America, he, uh, he says, the big problem is the Democrats have been on the defensive. Maybe you're on the defensive because you're the ones in power and you've done a garbage job. Maybe it would be that.
1: Look, I mean, I could be the cheerleader. I'm also pragmatic. You feel it. Mm. Newsom, with one of his party's biggest digital and fundraising operations, sounds like a Democrat with bigger ambitions. And it goes to my fundamental grievance with my damn party. We're getting crushed on narrative. We're going to have to do better in terms of getting on the offense and stop being on the
0: damn defense. This is what Democrats want, right? And this is the way they're going to turn. After 2022, you think they're going to moderate? Or do you think they're going to go more radical and say, we need to shout it louder? Get rid of Joe Biden so we can get someone in there who can shout it louder. All righty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into Jimmy Kimmel lamenting that many members of his audience think he's not funny anymore. It's very sad. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us.